the way you came to life as your screen hopped on, it was like pitch black. And then the color just slowly expanded from like the very center of the screen out. It was the most epic thing. <laughs> it was like a movie of Zack is about to play. I was like when, uh, when Gandalf the White just like fucking rolls in. Yeah, epic. That's really what it was. It was I thought you were going to say like, like the screen was black and then like my traps came into focus. And then the delts. And then just oiled up abs, and you're like, "Wait, is he not wearing a shirt for this for this episode?" He's butt ass naked. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, bro, how you doing? How you feeling? How's uh, studying all night? Uh, oh, I barely studied all night, actually. I, but I did stay up. I did stay up all night because I ate way too much fucking food and I couldn't go to bed. Bro, I couldn't sleep last night either, and I've been eating too much food than my body can handle, and it's been not good. Yeah, this was the worst I've ever done it. Like straight up. I mean, I've. My, my uncle had this thing when we were growing up and it was like, when you feel like you're like, you're painfully full, eat three more bites. And like, it was <laughs> not, not a healthy thing, but we would do it just like, just to be funny. Just and this fun. was worse than any time I'd ever done that. Like I ate uh-huh. and I literally was in agony as I was finishing my last few bites. And I felt like there was like food in my esophagus. It was like, I'd eaten so much that my stomach couldn't even fucking hold it all. Um, yeah, I was in That's extreme- the first time you ever felt like that. You skinny boy. <laughs> I was in so much pain, dude. I, uh, yeah. So I stayed up like for an extra three hours just cause I was like, there's no way I'm going to be ready for bed in like two hours. Yeah. I saw your text this morning. I was like at around like 1230 or something. I was like, Oh, he's, he's having an all nighter. <laughs> he's going to yeah. be up to like three or four. Yeah. I was, uh, I was listening to our episode from like two weeks ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause I had run out of things to do. I'd finished, uh, Bridgerton <laughs> say what? And then, Damn. <laughs> You don't do that fast. <laughs> I know. I started watching on like Monday. <laughs> the uh oh random fact, the the main good looking dude in that, uh light skinned brother, he he may be the next bond. He's he's in the running. No shit. Yeah, which that is cool. Be be cool. Fuck. So anyways, go ahead. Yeah. He's just wearing like uh he's wearing like a nice trench coat with like a popped collar and like a fucking I don't even know I don't even know what the what their clothing is called, but basically he's just dressed like a Brit. Did you ever watch the show? Bridgerton? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm. I didn't. I couldn't do it. I thought I would absolutely love it, because knowing my taste and things, and I made it through like two or three episodes. Like, eh, really not happening? Yeah, really. I liked the first two or three episodes, maybe four, and then at a certain point, it like turned into softcore porn for women, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, was and like, I well, usually am cool with that too, though. So. Dude, I, I I knew I was fucking. I knew they had me fucked up when it was maybe like episode three, and they're standing in front of a painting, and they're both looking at the painting, talking to each other, and their hands start to creep closer together. And I was like, Oh no, is it gonna happen? It's gonna happen. And then their knuckles touch. I was like, Fuck! Oh, it's happening. Hand. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was so into it. It's okay, I read all the Fifty Shades books back when. And then I, of course, I watched all of them. I've seen them a million times. Did you really? Did somebody oh, yeah. tell you that was the Karma Sutra and you were like, I'm going to do it? I, <laughs> it was a girl that I was crushing on. She was all about it. And then I, so I just was like, you know, I'll pick it up and see what happens. And I was all about it. So <laughs> yeah, uh, it happened. <laughs> you, uh, somebody like opens up your closet. You're like, no, 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 no. Don't go in there. And there's just fucking like crop whips and like leather assless chaps. <laughs> All sorts of crazy shit. Yeah, we're we're talking about like that's a fake thing, but uh, is this why you didn't make be. rent this month? <laughs> What's your leather budget? <laughs> I rock chaps, dude. 
but they're jorts. They're they're jean short j- chaps. Jort chaps. Could you fucking imagine, man? There's You're like the, the so lack gross. of material. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be showing way more skin than you would have pants on. Are you? Is that a Phil's uh, mug? No, it does look like a Phil's mug. It does. This is from my uh, roastery by my old job. Calistoga Roastery, dude. Word. I love that place. <laughs> I just actually just love that color. That's my solar solar sacral color. And that like gold, that golden yellow. Mm-hmm. California, what I have deemed it is California poppy seed, California golden poppy. California gold. That's so funny. That came up in the reading I was doing yesterday. My word. Yeah. Remember, I, I don't know if I mm-hmm. told you that I was working on this person's sacral chakra. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end, you know, I had this person envision where they wanted to have more pleasure in their life and then to send the intention out. And then I planted this uh, with the chakras look like to me when I do this particular type of healing is like said this to you yesterday, but what they look like is either this diffuse ball of energy. They look like this uh, complex geometric structure and housed within it is like this infinity stone looking gem Mm -hmm. uh, that represents kind of like the, the battery of that chakra or like the core of that chakra. So I do work, I pull those out and I do work on them sometimes if the healer, if the master healers tell me to. Right. And uh, so I had to do this intention. And as I planted it back into the area where the solar, the sacral chakra is supposed to be. I like, they had me like pushing soil into the area where there was like a little mound of soil. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, interesting. And I imagine like a flower blossoming out of it. And so I go back onto the, you know, to my mic and I'm like, you know, what's your favorite flower? She goes, California golden poppy. <laughs> like, all right. I want you to imagine that it's blossoming out of some soil, like near your sacral chakra. And then like the guides had like, the sun come down on it. And I was like, imagine the sun warms the, you know, the area and warms all the way up your abdomen and to your head and you know, all these different things. Right. So um, it's interesting that you, that you brought that up. Yeah. You know, actually California golden poppy is my favorite flower too. Really? And it, like I started to realize that as I was really stepping into my solar plexus. So I got to talk to her. That'd be really funny. Yeah. But also I <laughs> had this funny image come on my mind you're talking about just like the chakras and the infinity stones inside mm-hmm. everyone and i'm like everyone has infinity stones infinity stones are basically god thanos is god we're all thanos <laughs> we're all thanos <laughs> you no know thanos is actually greek for death ah uh, i believe that yeah which makes That's so cool. much that fucking sense. sense if you think about the plot of the story yeah i feel like in like a good like 40 percent of our episodes we always come back to marvel <laughs> It always happens. I know. I noticed that too. We're either talking about like Shang-Chi or talking about like Avengers or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Classic. Always happens. Good for us. (laughs) Uh, I was having this conversation with my dad actually about like how we make, how we make sexuality so taboo. And I wonder that if amongst developed countries, at least mm -hmm. the ones who have more taboo around sexuality or, you know, kind of uh, born out of religious restriction of sexuality. Mm-hmm. I wonder if those are the societies with the highest rates of like sexual assault. I believe that fully. Yeah. Cause like, it's like, that's a that big thing you, in Japan, dude. Yeah. That which you repress comes Presses. out sideways mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Which is interesting. Interesting though. If you think about it on a religious level, mm-hmm. um, I mean, within Europe, some of the most free countries are like very traditionally like Catholic but at the same mm-hmm. time, some of the ones that are very free are also just a very, basically that whole Northwestern region. Um, oh my God, I'm blanking out. Like like the Scandinavian countries? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, whatever the Norway, term is. Norway, Denmark. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sweden. 
Oh, what is the word I'm thinking of in my mind? Good Jesus. My brain is still not fully back yet. Yeah, <laughs> still fighting that whole inflammation bout. Jesus. Anyways. Wow. Yeah, I that's that's the one thing. Um I feel like J and J is the most fucked up one for people mm. where it has like the most amount of adverse effects and it was the best one for me. But I think that's also like if you if we go into like the well, the realm of you know all the potential bullshit, like that's the cleanest one intuitively. Mm. So it's interesting. I was thinking about this, like my own arc with it the other day and Mm. how like in the beginning I was very, very pro vaccine and I was probably going to be one of the first people to get vaccinated. And then Mm -hmm. like November rolled around right around the election time. I had some crazy like awarenesses and like everything shifted within my body. And then it was just like, no, this is not right for me. And I still Mm. like for me stand by that. Like it doesn't feel like the right move, but I know I needed to do it for what I, you know, the priorities for myself right now. It was interesting. I was just like thinking about my whole path. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, it reminds me of the conversation that I was having. The one where what arose out of it was like a, a comment that really pissed me off. But uh, me my too. Friends were pissed yeah, me my, off too. Pissed you off too. Yeah. I, by the way, we we had a I had a conversation with her later that night. Yeah, it's totally fine. Which I can talk about in a second. But basically, my friends, uh, I was having coffee with some friends from medical school, and they were bringing up how certain doctors were getting their licenses revoked for. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were saying like peddling anti-vax theory or whatever the fuck yeah. they had said. But and basically like a big thing on that. Yeah. So like that. And I think like also a guy who like wasn't wearing his mask in his office with his patients and stuff like that. I was like, okay, it's one thing to revoke somebody's license for giving out harmful medical advice. It's another thing to like revoke somebody's license for like not wearing a mask in their office. Yeah, I think right. it's a little, that's a little harsh. Um, mm-hmm. But basically uh, they were talking about that and what I was the point that I was trying to make before I got interrupted was like, there is a tendency in powerful organizations towards groupthink. I mean, the groupthink mm-hmm. is a tendency that all humans have, but right. uh, especially when a certain organization or a body of authority has a lot of power, mm-hmm. people will really fall behind their uh, their structure. And so if one group says like, Oh, this paper came out and this is, this is true. This is what we're doing. And anybody who goes against this is going to get the ax essentially. And everyone's like, yeah, fuck that, blah, blah, blah. Then what they're doing is they're not leaving space for people with new science to come in and say like, well, this paper, which is legitimate. I looked at the methods. I looked at the conclusions that they made. I didn't think the conclusions were too far off from the results. I thought that the methods were, were as solid as a method, like as a method section could be for, you know, a peer reviewed journal here's what they're finding. And I think that we need to look into this. People go like, no, it's heresy. It's the same thing as the religious. Bro, I hate um, that. Yeah. It's like the, the religious inquisition of the, you know, the <clears throat> 1000s, 1100s and 1200s and all this shit. And before I'd even had a chance to say that, I was like, remember, like, I'm not anti-vax here. I'm just being devil's advocate. Right. And this girl goes like, oh, of course you're the straight white male of the group. You would be devil's advocate. Oh, <laughs> uh, thanks bro. <laughs> And I was like, are you, I was like, excuse me, <laughs> like, that is so sexist. Uh, it was intense. No, I'm the, I'm a free thinker and I'm looking at both sides. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just trying to make sure that we don't get too excited about, I think what I had eventually said was, I, I want to make sure we don't get too excited about revoking people's licenses for disagreeing with us because you might find yourself on the wrong side of that 
phenomenon one day. Yeah, that's the part that I've really struggled with the most through all this is like, you know, people are talking about like the denial of science and mm-hmm. like the anti-vax side. But what I see is honestly like the other end, like we are denying the scientific process through a lot of this. Like there's a lot of stuff that's coming up that's being purposely shut out. Yeah. I mean, on both sides, though, I think both, both sides, sides yeah. have right and both sides had wrong. And what I'm going to say is I'm actually going to preface this by saying like, <laughs> I am for the COVID vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's really good data for it. People are saying it's got, it got put out too fast, but there's still an overwhelming body. It of data. needed to with what was going on. It needed it, to with what was going on. Yeah. The economy was crashing. Society was at a halt. And I mean, by the time that they approved the vaccine, there was five figures worth of, uh, so there was like an N of 16,000 for one of the vaccines and an N right. of like 21,000 for, uh, one, I think Moderna. Um, that's a lot of people, you know, um, and, and it's only gotten bigger from there. And yes, some people have severe side effects, right? We have one in every hundred, 200,000 people has some kind of crazy, unpredictable side effect, but that's medicine. That's mm-hmm. what comes along with modern medicine. Like, yeah, you know, it just, it is what it is. And like, I'm sorry when it's the person that happened, when you're the person it happens to, that is, it's, it's life shattering and we need to acknowledge that, but that doesn't mean that we need to condemn millions of other people to, you know, severe death by like respiratory failure. That being said, <laughs> uh, <laughs> on both sides of the coin, you have some people, for example, we'll start with anti-vaxxers. Some anti-vaxxers are, are against the vaccine because they think that there's some grand government conspiracy going on for totalitarian control over their minds or some shit like that. Um, and on the other, uh, the other side of that coin, you have people who are going like, I don't want to get the vaccine and for, for scientific reasons, right? Like, right. well, there's data that shows that most of the people who have severe COVID illnesses have vitamin D deficiencies or have zinc deficiency or mm-hmm. selenium deficiency. So like, I think if we use nutraceuticals and if we just make sure that we're like replete with vitamins and minerals and we handle this from a, like a health, a, a public health <laughs> standpoint, then we can keep ourselves healthy. And then on the other side of the coin, you have people who are for the vaccine going, there's good data. There's a public health crisis every day in the hospital. I see people dying of respiratory failure. We're, we're out of uh, ventilators. We're out of anesthesiologists. And which is people. all true. <laughs> yeah, which is true. Like I, people, I work in a hospital or I work in hospitals, multiple. So I see this in multiple hospitals. Like we have, we have converted post-operative, post-anesthesia care units into half COVID units where like mm-hmm. half of the beds in like a big room have had to been like plasticked off with right. people like hidden behind these thick walls of plastic because they're suffering from like COVID so severely that we ran out of beds in the ICU. And out of all of those, you know, 90% of those people don't have the COVID vaccine. Um, it's just, I mean, it just is what it is. And so I'm not trying to get into a philosophical debate, but I acknowledge all philosophical sides of the argument. People can do what they want. I don't think death is the worst thing, but. And I think that's what we need. Honestly, it's just like, we need to acknowledge both sides, but it's just another reflection of where the country is. Like everything is very polarized one or the other, but that's why I also. You're with us or you're against us. Yeah. Which is not true. (laughs) Yeah. But that's also, I mean, like what I've looked at this myself is like, this is the healing process, right? Like, epitomized within the country itself. Like we are in a place where everything is getting very polarized and that's things coming to the surface. That's fire coming up. 
And that's what it takes to be able to swing through in the pendulum that we always talk about and eventually find a way back to the middle. But that's not where we are at right now. <laughs> I, I agree with you. It's the idea that like the pimple has to come up onto the skin in order to clear the the infection out that was in the skin anyway. Or it's like the skin, the, the infection was already there in the skin. You just couldn't see it. Now yeah. the pimple's there. I had a lot more to say on like other random thoughts. And then it all just cleared through. After you said pimple, I started seeing Dr. Pimple Popper in my mind. And it's just like the gnarliest pimple coming up. It's like, <laughs> Is there anything I, I, cause I ranted for like probably like five minutes. Is there anything that you wanted to speak to? You know what I find interesting um, for myself is I think back to like high school English class and one of the, you know, our core curriculum books in the U S at least in Marin but I think it's a U.S., is Fahrenheit 51, or is it from 4 infant 9 11, 9, ooh, It's the number? 451, yeah. there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's a three-digit number. <laughs> and I, was, I always thought that was like just absurd, like it's not possible. And just like taking a zoomed-out look at the world and where things go, I do, I'm not saying this is what's happening, but just seeing the potential of that more and more and mm-hmm. more, I start to understand it. And it's just very interesting and i can it helps me to understand both sides of the argument more and more and more as well yeah and i still stand in the middle honestly like i i think it's the this whole thing is a giant it's all of god right and it's supposed to take us to whatever we need to go my belief is that it's up to the individual but at the end of the 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 argument itself (laughs) at the end of the world if the human race dies like we're still going to be we're still souls you know we're still going to be there and it's going to be like well we fucked that up but like and maybe that's what we need. Yeah, that was part if of that's, the project. If that's the plan, like, you know, we that's go through mass, mass wipeout through yeah. the world, through the earth itself once every long ass time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, as much as like, there, and there's different planes of awareness. And that's definitely this, not right? going to happen, but. <laughs> there's different <laughs> planes of awareness possible. where you're kind of like, yeah, obviously like I'm a person, I have family, I have people that I care about, I have people that I love. I love earth. I walk around, I look at the trees, I look at the mountains and mm-hmm. it brings I me people. bliss. I don't want people to yeah. die. I don't want people to die. But... I don't want the forest to burn. I don't want any of that to happen. But there are truths. Like happened. sometimes these things are necessary in a way that is beyond us. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like, but, and we all make decisions as a collective, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and if that's the decision that the collective makes, then like we're in for a rough fucking ride and maybe we'll get it right next time. <laughs> but, but you know, that's kind of yeah. the way that it, that's the way that it shakes out. Shake it, shake, 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 shake it. Uh Oh, shake it like a Polaroid picture. There we go. <laughs> Hot, uh, Hot dog. All right. So that was a fun, long tangent, but I did enjoy that. Um, but we're going into some hypno time, little reflections. Wow, that was a hell of a tangent. Yeah, yeah. so we're, we're almost out of time together, but. <laughs> um, yeah, so hypno session. So you had yours a couple of weeks ago. Do you want to talk about, you don't have to get yeah. into too much detail, but you know, your experience and what it was like. I it, Hypnotherapy is an interesting thing for me, an interesting process. And... One of the things, I mean, if I zoom out and like my whole experiences the last few years and all my lessons, what I've been learning is really like a love and respect of my body Mm -hmm. and really coming into my body more fully, right? Being this embodied self and Mm -hmm. having this love for it. And early on in my hypnotherapy times, I realized like my body did not like going into hypnotherapy. It does not like subconscious work. It doesn't like being in a disconnected state, 
even though you could also could argue that this is a deeper connected state, but like my, it does not like that. And it's, I've done subconscious work with a handful of different healers um, and hypnotherapy as well. And that was always the MO up until maybe like a few weeks ago or like a, a month and a half ago. And all of a sudden I started to, I was doing hypnotherapy work and I started to go deeper and I was finally getting into states that were more like deeper surrender and more directly within my subconscious to kind of backtrack. One of the things that you and I were discussing was like how it's a trip to be in hypnotherapy because we're in all these different states of consciousness at one time. Like there is my Mm -hmm. ego self that's there and like my personality and like normal me right now, there's me that's from this, you know, past moment that we're going into that speaking through. And then there's sometimes like the higher self or like the kind of guiding all knowing part of yourself that's there as well. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm dancing and navigating between the three speaking through the different levels of consciousness that I hold. Mm -hmm. And it's a trip. Yeah. When, you know, we kind of, uh, what you're talking, we're speaking to is we both stumbled across the same experience, which like I was saying to you last night, uh, teaches me a little bit about consciousness. Mm -hmm. So as you're being hypnotized, according to uh, the, the practitioner that we were both working with, it's essentially just a quieting or a uh, putting to rest of the body's nervous system, right? So right. what I learned, so when the, when the dial gets cranked down on your nervous system, your awareness begins to expand. And like Neil was saying, you have this multi-planar state of awareness where you're having a memory be being called up and you have the consciousness of you at that time that that memory was generated, uh, that is being asked questions of, and is answering in accordance to them. You have you at that particular moment at your particular age with all of your development and awareness that can realize what's happening. Like, Oh, I fuck. I, I didn't even know this memory still existed or like that. I'd ever had this memory. Um, wow, I hope I don't get stuck in the consciousness of like a three-year-old or like whatever, you know, you're thinking all these different things or wow, this is really fucking cool that this is happening. And then you have this higher self-awareness or this super consciousness or even your guides, like my guides spoke through me a lot yesterday. And as I was put deeper and deeper into states of hypnosis throughout the course of the session, I could feel my body less and less, right? Because my nervous system was being put to sleep as I could feel my body less and less, the expansiveness of my consciousness got larger and larger and larger. And so what that tells me is this, as you, so first of all, as as we know, you're walking around earth, you're walking around the world, your body is within this dimension. Like your body is born of the soil of earth. It's born of the minerals of earth. Your body is one of earth's organs. Your consciousness is a download into this body to experience this realm, uh, this plane of existence. You have a certain amount of energy, subtle energy, uh, consciousness invested into your human body, into the cells of your somatic cells, your nervous system, everything like that. Your human body is a sensory organ. It's receiving information from this soup of energy that's all around you, what you are perceiving all around you is not real reality. It is 
uh, icons of reality. It is an interpretation that your nervous system makes about the energy that it's receiving from the world around it. In actuality, there's just a big sea of molecules and energy and light all around you. And your body is making sense of them all as separate, uh, uh, separate entities. So you have a certain amount of consciousness invested into an illusion. As your nervous system becomes turned down, and your consciousness starts to receive less information at a basal state from your nervous system about what consensus reality is, you have more consciousness um, almost coming back to that cent- that like central mass of awareness that you have. And so you become more awareness or more consciousness than you are human. Um, and I was having this realization as I was in hypnosis is like, kind of like when I meditate and I lose track of my body and I feel like how expansive my awareness is and almost on a certain level, how hard it is to keep track of it because it's nonlinear and I'll be having two separate things happening at one time. I'll be like having, uh, I'll be engaging with, for example, the, the hypnotherapy session, answering the questions and all that stuff. And at the same time, I'll have a conscious awareness of like something completely nonlinear. I'll be like, in a different realm, having a different experience, almost like I'm dreaming often like an astral realm or like a higher realm talking to my guides or something like that. And I have full conscious awareness of both of them at the same time while having the awareness that I can't feel my body. So it it was an incredibly interesting experience. I can't feel my face when I'm with you. I'd say that. Um, yeah, dude. That's why you start smirking. I was like, oh shit, what's happening? <laughs> he's going to do something. He's going to do something. He did it. Yeah. That's, I think that's the trippiest part of it where you're like, you're fully present in this moment. And then you're just also like off somewhere else as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll say too, from my own experience, that what I've found was because for me, so much of honestly, all the healing work I've done this year has been healing physical trauma in my body from Mm -hmm. many, many past lives and stuff in this life as well. And that's also why my body doesn't like going into these states because these things become more present. They're there. Mm -hmm. And as I went deeper and deeper and healed more and more of this, then I was able to go into, you know, more recently in the past few months, go into deeper states within hypnotherapy because my body was more at ease and I've been able to drop in more. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I find very interesting, um, this is just a side note, is when we go into the body um, or these past moments, for me, it's very minimally expressive. It's actually very stoic and like a few words come through or one word response. And it's very mm-hmm. simple and direct. And then mm-hmm. it's always like my current consciousness then steps in to explain it all. And that's always been the, the MO. Mm-hmm. which I thought it would be the opposite. Cause when I do my own work, like if I'm going in to my body, into the inner child, into these past moments, it's very expressive and all these things I will end up speaking through and that's the healing process. But for this, it's very like short, direct few words, bam, 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 bam. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. I had a similar experience where when these memories are being asked about, you know, she'll mm-hmm. ask things like, uh, is it daytime or is it nighttime in the memory? Are you, alone or are you with someone like that kind of thing mm-hmm. and very direct answers from my consciousness like it's daytime i'm with someone yeah i'm with this person and this person um this is what's happening and at times like i would explain more more in detail um 
But at the same time, my, like you said, like your present awareness, your present consciousness is going like, oh, interesting. Like this is very direct. And, and it reminds me of these books, uh, Journey of Souls, Destiny of Souls. I know you've mm-hmm. read them, Neil. Um, and in these books, this guy who is a really, really talented hypnotherapist, <laughs> yeah, he does past life regressions on people to help them with you know somatic symptoms like you know chronic pain and things like that. And through his research, he started to find that if he let people progress past the death scene, that they would go to a life between lives. And mm-hmm. there was striking similarity between these experiences amongst all the people that he would do these sessions for. So he ended up doing it with like thousands of people and writing books um, about what he Great discovered. Great book, by the Fun- way, for anyone even considering it. Yeah. yeah. Journey of Souls is the first one. Highly recommend it. Double down. On and that. Yep. part of the books is that he'll write, he'll put in transcribed excerpts from different case studies that he did. And the people are often very direct and they will only, or the, their, their souls are very direct and they will only elaborate if explicitly asked to elaborate. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that was the experience that I had as well. Um, And at times my super conscious would step in. It was either my super conscious or it was like my guides. I don't know, but it referred to me as we or referred to itself as we. So it was like a, a non-focal or a, a non-individualized consciousness that was like speaking through me, which I found very interesting. I was thinking, I think I've asked this, we've, you and I have talked about this and like our, we're in 50 different planes of consciousness, deep conversations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you had said something that made this idea come up. And this is one of the things I first started to see when I was reading journey of souls of like, Mm -hmm. we go into these healing events and these moments and these stories are coming up. And sometimes they can be just like cray cray. Right. Where you're just like, how, how was I that? How did all this happen? And we see them as truth, but on like a higher level of consciousness, Mm-hmm. how much of that are actually is actually true versus it's just like the necessary story or experience that can make sense of what is going on here like the energy of this thing that we hold and it's our own yeah, it's it's talking about kind of like perception versus true scene yeah it's more of a perception of this energy and this event that we carry rather than what actually was experienced mm-hmm. mm, like when you go back into memory Mm-hmm. Like if you're going yeah. into a past life regression or back into a memory or whatever it is, how much is how much of it is factual unfolding versus uh, interpretation? Mm-hmm. And like the interpretation that is necessary for you within this life too, right? Because we have certain lessons, personality traits, things that are unique to us in this consciousness, and so you know everything yeah. at a soul level needs to align to that and make sense of this for our human mind and our human story. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, the first two memories that came up for me in the session were things that I didn't know had happened. And like, obviously I think I was like three in one of them and eight in the other one. So there, you know, you don't remember every day of your childhood. Right. Uh, so I had this moment where I was like, did this actually happen? Like, is this something, is this like a symbolic mm-hmm. vision of something that I need to just like work through? Or is this something that actually happened? And I understood that I was suggestible during this. So I chose to suggest myself that it was real. And I went like, uh, my my consciousness was like, well, in order to get the full fruit of this, believe it's real. This is, this has actually happened. And I convinced myself that it was real. 
and then went forward with it. Um, I, I really tried to be helpful towards the process because I trusted the practitioner. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, these things came up and, um, they weren't things that were far off from the stuff that I saw as a child. So I have no reason to believe that they didn't happen. Uh, yeah. Inter- it was interesting. And when you were talking about that initially, I thought you meant like, are these things true or are they just like narratives? And I think that like all of it in actuality is just a narrative, right? Even yeah. what you, yeah. Even what you, the most faithful memory you have of what happened to you yesterday, for example, is not exactly what happened yesterday because it's um, stored through frameworks and the way you see the world. Like that's how you remember it. Exactly. Yeah. It's all, it's all just a big, <clears throat> it's a, it's the most, the human brain is like the most biased word in, in nature, right? <laughs> it's like every, every way station that it passes through every nodal synapse that it passes through gives it a different flavor and a different texture that is uh, that takes it a step removed from the reality that it existed in. But like part of what it means to be an individualized expression of God is that you're supposed to be biased. That's the point, right? Your bias brings a different perspective to the mind of God. So, mm-hmm. you know, what I saw yesterday at a coffee shop, yeah, even, even the factual things, quote unquote, factual things that I saw, were one probably misremembered based off of the things that I was looking at in that scenario, mm-hmm. based off of my biases and my insecurities and my securities and all these different things that I was looking for. But also, I mean, the fact of what we talked about earlier, which is in actuality, it's all just a fucking sea of energy. Um, and the fact that my brain saw a person or saw a shelf or a cup of coffee is all just a fucking fabrication in the first place. Right. Um, yeah. And that doesn't make reality like less real to me um, or, you know, less meaningful to me. In fact, it probably makes it more meaningful and more real to me, but I understand that it's all fucking fake anyway, you know? (laughs) And this is us living in like different planes of consciousness, all in the here and now in like normal 3D life at all times. And sometimes we're just like mind blowing ourselves away and we're just like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's when you we both get a message on WhatsApp to each other, like, yo, dude, <laughs> trees, <laughs> trees. <laughs> uh, some kind of multiplanar awareness. Yeah. It happens all the fucking mm-hmm. time, man. All the time. And especially when you and I just start talking to like the drops and like the visions all just start coming down. <laughs> you know, this is very aside from all of this, but you and I have talked about like ayahuasca a lot before mm-hmm. and it's slowly been coming up into awareness again. And I like, you know, with where I'm at, like we know, like, you know, we'll both do ayahuasca together at some point. I know I'll do, you know, deep ceremony at some point. And what I knew it wasn't here and now, and it was really actually probably unnecessary for me. And Cause I can go in through you know, meditation or my own, do the records, whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been yeah, there brought are up many by, psychic technologies that can mm-hmm. get a person to that place and healers and practitioners that we can work with. I don't have to go to Costa Rica. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. but um, it's been brought up by several different people to me recently. And then I even had like a dream about it that I can't remember, but for some reason that just came up into awareness. So I thought I'd share that with you. Interesting. What that, what that brings up for me thinking about this in regards to you is this episode of the Aubrey Marcus podcast, where 
uh, it was right after Aubrey stepped down as CEO of Onnit, and he was mm-hmm. introducing the new CEO, which was a guy who had worked for him for a while. And the whole episode was him talking about this guy's like legitimate calling towards mm-hmm. Onnit, where this guy lived yeah, in like, like a different state. Yeah, he like lived in like New England or something like that. And he ended up going to Peru for an ayahuasca journey and asked, you know, Mama Ayahuasca, like, show me what I need to do with my life. And it was fucking very specifically showed him <laughs> the on it logo. It showed him right. Aubrey Marcus's face, none of which he had ever seen before um, and showed him like running the company and all this kind of stuff. And was like, you need to go work for this company. So he got, like reaches out to Aubrey, like on nothing but like blind faith, essentially, mm-hmm. or maybe, you know, visioned faith. Um, and Paul's guides had a very poignant quote in the book that I read yesterday. And they said, uh, true faith is knowing. And he had the true faith of knowing. And so he reached out to Aubrey, worked for Aubrey for like eight or nine years, maybe 10 years, and then finally got the CEO position Mm -hmm. after all that time. And that's what it makes me think of is like for you going and doing ayahuasca and like having a glimpse into your path, like a visual and tactile glimpse into your future. I'd be down for that right now. If (laughs) if like the whole doing it in a very traditional way was on the table and I could make that happen. Mm -hmm. Because I yeah. don't quite believe in doing it in like the backyard shaman sort of way. Fuck no. yeah, I don't trust no that. And yeah, it's a big no. Um, but I think that's I think that's a reminder from source as well as from source through you right now of like all right, it's it's time to kind of go into connection above a little bit right now and allow myself to hone in and build from that. And one of the things that's really been coming up, like I've been getting you and I both recently have been getting angel numbers out the ass. Oh yeah, happens to and, every day. Yeah, multiple times a day, and um, that's what I've been navigating the last few months. Of like, all right, what's my sense of direction? Where am I going? And I knew I kind of just had to step aside and wait for a little bit. And as I'm stepping, putting myself into these new situations, these things I know I need to do that are also good for me and I enjoy, um, it's starting to unfold more and more and more. But I think there's a level of like, okay, there there's some divine guidance waiting that is beyond me right now that I need to go get. Yeah. Like beyond me, beyond my current abilities mm-hmm. yeah, and that, and that of the people around me. And especially for you, uh, you, you don't, you don't like hearing it from other people. No, it just, and that's my is. soul plan. <laughs> even, even if it's like straight up clairaudiently channeled, you're like, mm. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Cause it needs to sit with me, right? It needs, it needs to be to right sit. in my body. And if it's not right in my body, it's going to be a no for me. Like that is, and that's my, my, North, North Node, right? Like my individual individuality, my freedom, my own sense of ability, um, and more, you know, to what I've been speaking to today, the trust of my body and knowing, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's coming up with like one of the things I told you when you were talking about this, like if I don't have my own knowing and the trust of that, I have nothing. Mm-hmm. That's that's the end of this life. There's no point. That's my greatest lesson in this life. When we had that very intense conversation. A good conversation. It's a good conversation. conversation. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I think that ayahuasca could give you that. Yeah. Because I agree. it is your own sight in a way. I mean, it's it's like yeah, to you it is me, but also beyond me. It, but you're experiencing it in your body and you're experiencing mm-hmm. the visions for yourself. And you can you can have the knowing directly versus and, somebody else having a knowing and being like, This is well, this is my knowing. And you're being mm-hmm. like, How much do I trust you? And even if I trust you all out like like you and me where you're like i fucking trust you but like it's still you know the the thing that i trust the most is my body 
there's like two things that came up. One thing that kind of brought this episode full circle was me talking about um, how I had to heal a lot of these physical body traumas to be able to go into these deeper states and have pure access to this. And I think that's also what makes me more ready to receive from ayahuasca is because Mm. I've done a lot of the clearing of these initial levels. And that's brought me to a state where I am more, I'm in, a, I'm in the place where I need to be to be able to get what I need out of that if that if ayahuasca presents itself for me. But on the second piece, what I was I think I was gonna share to the audience, um, and I've we've talked about this before. Um, this is like me specifically from my soul plan in this life. It's like I can get information from different psychics, healers, whatever, like even like the most world-renowned people my guides specifically only allow in little slivers of what's necessary for me. I won't ever get the full picture from any sort of psychic or anyone beyond me. Mm -hmm. And especially for myself, it's about like, okay, now deciphering through and discerning what it is that is necessary for me to receive from that message and then taking that and then incorporating myself. And then going in deeper to step deeper, but it's like that's a case with everyone. But there's like an amplified necessity to that for me. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I could see, yeah. see how me open my mouth, and like, <laughs> I know what you're gonna say. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that I, that I was gonna say that's a really good point because I think all people could learn from that is that uh, just because somebody channels it doesn't mean you have to follow mm-hmm. it, like the code of law or something like that. Right. I mean, I, I used to think that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was at a time when I needed to, to think that, but at a certain point it got in the way of me having the strength to make my own decisions and to have my own discernment and to trust my own knowing, which is more important. You know, uh, any good reader, any good healer doesn't want to keep seeing you, not because they don't like you. Not because they don't love you, but because they understand that to really heal you means that you become your own healer. To really read for you is to liberate you to the freedom of your own knowing so that you don't need us anymore. Mm -hmm. And if somebody is trying to keep you around to purchase their readings, red flag. If somebody is trying to make you dependent on their access to spirit that is not integrous and that is not a high vibrational uh, intention for a reader. So find somebody who wants to bolster your ability and your capability to be in touch with your own knowing. Like yeah. you, you are, you are at the end of the day, sovereign. Mm-hmm. And you are in charge of that. that. That's your own responsibility. I mean, like, that's this process, right? It's, we are discovering source and source within ourselves. And that's part of how we deal with readings. You know, like there is a part where you're getting this deep knowing that's very intuitively guided. Mm -hmm. And there's also the part where you hold your own responsibility to the integration of it. And honestly, like what I tell people, like I get this question a handful of times, like, okay, like how often do we do this? How how much can we can keep doing this together? I'm like, honestly, like we ideally, couple times a year at max if you need Mm -hmm. extra support at least a month in between if you really want to do stuff together then we're going to take it a different route and 
work together and it's not going to be all readings. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, it's going to be like me personally supporting you yeah, and you know, all that kind of stuff. Coaching. It's about your integration of it and what you do with it. Mm-hmm. Like there is so much that comes through a reading from anyone, even the most like beginner reader, but there's so much information and so many little tidbits and little tidbits that unfold over time. You don't quite need new information, new reading for a while. Fuck no. No, you need to integrate it, which is the hard work, which is why people want more readings, more ayahuasca, all these different things. It's It's like the spiritual bypassing, bro. Yeah. Yeah. And we all like hard work. We all fall, uh, fall, not fall victim or fall prey to it, but like we all fall into that trap Mm -hmm. of at some point of seeking more spiritual information. Oh, word. Because we think that getting a new piece of spiritual information means that we've integrated the shit before and we didn't have Mm -hmm. to actually do the work, but like ladies and gentlemen and everybody in between, you got to do the work. (laughs) Like you Mm got to, yeah, you got to, it's, it's uh, a fucking bummer sometimes, but (laughs) you got to do it. It's tough. That's, that's where I'm like, there's times where it shit gets hard. I'm like, "Ah, I need a reading. I need a healing. This is like unnecessary, unnecessarily hard. And like, no, that's actually exactly what I'm needing right now. And when I need one, it'll present itself. And usually it always does. Someone reaches out to me. So, yeah, yeah I have those, uh, you know, those two conversations in your head that like eventually bring you into balance, but are like two, two parts of you on the opposite side of the fence. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, I'll be like, oh my God, like I could really use some support. Like I think that getting a reading or getting a healing or getting a, a session or whatever would be really good. And then there's that part of me that goes like, you just don't want to do the work. Like, you know what you need to do? Like, just do it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, so it's it's about like having that discernment to be like, okay, this is actually a time when I should get a reading or no, like I'm just trying to bypass. Like I know, I already know what I need to do. Like I have a very open channel to my guides um, or to my intuition, my own inner knowing, like you know exactly what I need to do. It doesn't mean I want to do it, but I should fucking do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a tough thing to discern. So one of my rounding points for this beautiful episode together is actually, even though it is hard, you can ask for help. You can ask for signs and you'll know you'll be guided to either like a yes or a no and spirit will be there. Spirit's got your back. If not, Neil and Zach got your back. <laughs> I had to drop that. <laughs> Neil and Zach got your back. Oh my God. This reminds, makes me think of like, when I tell somebody like ask spirit for a sign, mm-hmm. ask the universe for a sign, depending on the person and their, you know, the uh, vocab they're comfortable with, ask the universe for a sign, like very clearly so that, you know, and like, Oh, well I asked last week. You told me about this last time I asked last week, still nothing. It's like fucking be patient. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's, you're, you're demanding things. You're demanding things of the universe. Like, you know what the universe knows, like, the reason you're asking the universe for the sign is because you don't fucking know. So like mm-hmm. let the thing that knows decide when it's time to show you. And then it'll be like two weeks later. Like, Oh my God, this thing happened. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, well, that looks that's your sign, bro. <laughs> that's what happens when you wait. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want it now the way that I want it. Like I want no. spirit. Yeah. It's like, and I have those fucking tantrums too. I'm speaking from experience. Like, Oh yeah. I have those tantrums all the fucking time. I'm like, fuck this. Like I, I know what's happening, but this is bullshit. I've been waiting years, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. A little waiting goes a long way. And it's, like, if it's not supposed to be, you'll damn well know. <laughs> we need to just like get at something and get after it. But yeah, patience is a virtue. It's one of our greatest lessons in this human life. 
in our human heart souls. Yeah, it was like that that quote, cleanliness is next to godliness or whatever. And I think that like patience is next to godliness because yeah, you know, most of most of God is outside of time. So the more patient you are, um, and the more that you you see you the more that you don't allow time necessarily to be your master, the more in alignment to your soul you really are. Neon Zach, got your back. Neon Zach, got your back. <laughs> like we've got a new fucking outro song. <laughs> All right, bud. Any uh, any last thoughts before we close up? We hit so many different subjects, and there's so much more to speak to on so many of them. <laughs> yeah, this is a clusterfuck. <laughs> <laughs> As are all our greatest episodes. So this is one of our greatest episodes. <laughs> no, nah, I don't have anything else. Anything from you? Um, I saw your headphone uh, off to the left side and I thought it was like a sideburn. And then I just imagined <laughs> us like fully decked out in like 1800s English, like royalty attire. We have like the long trench coats with the popped collars and Neil just has like dashing thick sideburns. Neil has pumped up hair. That. <laughs> and I was like, damn. Neil Crush. <laughs> you walk it's around actually my new cane. earring. It's just it's hanging off. Oh yeah, Mr. T. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Ty. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that is me. Mr. T Ty. <laughs> Mr. Ty T. Mm. Mr. T Twat's good. Mr. T Twat, that is me. No, nope. so I got homie, me and my dangly sideburn earring. Oh, I'm okay, yeah, no. <laughs> Neil and Zach got your back. We love you. Yeah.